The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Well, that's gone for a start. There'll be a new SIGTUNE and a new studio set. Today, the new Late Late team were preparing for what will be one of the biggest television audiences of the year, as the curious and the cynical combine to compare old with new. The ghost of Gabo is going to be in that studio. Uh, some bits he'll recognise, but I mean, most of the things we've changed are cyclical things, uh, new set, new opening animation. Uh, they would have happened in any event on the Late Late Show every couple of years. Uh, but the SIG tune is gone. We've got something new. Well, I think it's unique in the history of television in that it's been criticised before it's been seen. And all I would say to the, the viewers out there who are, after all, the real critics is wait and see. I think you're going to enjoy the series. I don't want to be judged on one programme. I want to be judged on what happens over the next nine months. And I think at the end of it, I hope, I believe at the end of it, that it's, uh, it's going to be a positive verdict. Well, that man is with us this morning. Good morning, Pat. Uh, good morning, Anton. Oh, that brings me back. I have to tell you. <laughs> and it, it is shades of what's going on today. You know, what will it be like when the new host takes over? Can they ever step into the shoes of Ryan Tuberty, etc., etc., etc.? And uh, the what's going on at the moment is a bit of a bookies horse race. Uh, people giving odds on various uh, contenders, uh, even those who aren't contending. But I, I don't know what are the numbers on you, Anton. <laughs> uh, I'm the I'm the type of numbers where if you put down a tenner, you'd be able to retire to Rio on what you'd get if it came in. Go back for a bit, though. <laughs> I, no, Pat. I was just thinking we could have done this uh, tutorial about presenting the Late Late Show all fair, quietly. We didn't have to do it in public, <laughs> Anton. <laughs> uh, well, I'm hugely flattered if, if the uh, flattery is greatly misplaced but thank you listen the your ascension to the late late was slightly different to what is happening now because in your instance Kenny Live had been on air for several years and had been proven to do well in the ratings so for you it was a transition to an, an, an albeit a more significant program in terms of the, the legacy that it had but it was similar in terms of the style of programming the slot it went on and you had uh, proven capacity to get ratings did you therefore feel it as a relatively easy transition or did it have a significant impact on you? No, I, the burden of expectation was huge because Gay had been uh, doing the show for 37 years. Uh, I had been doing Kenny Live for 11 years, just a mere 11 years. Um, and we had competed in the ratings for uh, the top slot with the Late Late Show on a number of occasions. So I knew I could do a format that would entertain and would draw an audience. But the question was, the, the ghost of Gabo uh, would always be in that studio, at least for you know, the first couple of seasons. So that weight of expectation was was very high. But, I mean, he wasn't coming back. So, um, you know, you just get on with it and uh, people take it as they found it and uh, happily they took it when they did find it. But there's two aspects to the Late Late that I think are, are underestimated by people who aren't involved in it. One is the sheer level of fame. Because in an Irish context, if you're getting what... At one point, one third, one quarter of the adult population watching you on a weekly basis, that is a level of fame that you need to get to, to sort of Hollywood stardom in the States to get a commensurate level of fame with the, a nation. And the level of impact of items, things that could be said or done on one programme might have no uh, legacy impact. Whereas if it happens on the late, late, it gets attention in a way that it doesn't on another programme. Did you feel that when you started the show? Mm. 
Well, I always remember when we were on holiday in the sunshine somewhere and some children came over and they wanted to their daddy or mummy to take pictures of them. Remember the times when people didn't have phones with cameras, proper Instamatic camera, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, I posed for the photographs and uh, all of that. And I heard my girls muttering something like, why are they doing that? He's our daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the impact on me, you know, take it in your stride, but the impact on the family, sometimes uh, they would look askance at what was going on and I wouldn't notice it I'd be walking along and they would see maybe if they were lingering behind or slightly in a different space they would notice that everyone was looking at me and why is everyone looking at our daddy it's funny Um, I I remember reading Gay saying that to some extent you are paid for that that part of the reason why it carries a, a big salary is because it has that kind of personal impact that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to enjoy it did you like that kind of experience? I think the big impact for me was lessened by the fact that I had Kathy at home. Now, I think if you've got a partner who's able to give the time at home, it certainly alleviates the burden. But if you think about it, for 40 weeks of the year at the weekend and before that, for 11 years on Kenny Live every Saturday night, but for 10 years on The Late Late Show every Friday night, I'm gone. The only show I ever missed in 10 years of The Late Late Show, irrespective of how I felt, you know, colds, flus, anything like that, was uh, I missed a show at the time of uh, my mother's passing and Jerry Ryan took over and presented the show on that one occasion. As indeed, I went back after uh, Ryan's father died, I went back and presented The Late Late Show for him on that occasion. But it's the kind of show you've got to be there. You've just got to be there, no matter what's happening domestically, no matter what else is happening in your life. You've got to be there. The show prep starts in August, but it gets on air at the beginning of September. And then every Friday night from then on until June, uh, with the exceptions, uh, you know, around Christmas, there might be one or two uh, Fridays off. But otherwise, that's a commitment. And that is one of the things that begins to tell towards the end of the 40 weeks. You know, as you come towards the end, you're kind of looking at the finish line wistfully. Uh, But then by the time you recharge your batteries in in June, July, and then get back into the prep in August, uh, you know, I found myself invigorated and uh, dying to get back in the saddle. I think there will be some who will point to what the US hosts do, the the, the Kimmels and the Lettermans and the Carsons of this world and say, well, look, there's five nights a week for probably 40, 45 weeks out of the year, maybe even more, because they don't tend to take much in the way of holidays and say, surely that is much worse. Um, might be, but if you're doing a radio program every morning for a couple of hours and you're in at eight o'clock or half seven in the morning, and then you have to present a, a late, late show, an extravaganza of two hours, and it is really an extravaganza. I mean, my f- uh, former producer, Larry Masterson, always used to say about the late, late show, a good late, late show should be like a great Irish dinner party. Um, somebody should get drunk. There should be a row, a few songs, a few old yarns, jokes, um, no giveaways necessarily, but that's the what the show should be. Uh, and uh, presenting that extravaganza and prepping that extravaganza right through the week on top of doing a radio program, uh, that, that's a pretty onerous job. And uh, don't forget, uh, Hollywood, as we have found out, provides lots of writers for the gags, uh, for the Jimmy Kimmels and the Jimmy uh, Fallons, etc., uh, there are long show, take out the commercials, it might be 40 minutes long. You know, it's a different beast. What about the pressure 
because I, I think there's a big dividing line between yourself and Ryan and Gay in that for Gay, it all started as a bit of summer filler to emulate The Tonight Show. So even when it became a behemoth, he was able to say, it's my behemoth and I made it and therefore the, the sense of pressure is less. When that then transfers to you, it comes with millions of euro in advertising. It comes with an expectation across the um, station and what the programme is. It comes with defamation risk and all of that. Does it weigh heavy? No, I don't think so. I don't think you could do the job if it weighed too heavily on you. I mean, the idea that you might libel someone, defame someone every day when you're in a radio studio, it's there very much in the back of your mind. You're vigilant because... If you end up in court, well, it's mitigation to say, how dare you say that, <laughs> Mr. Savage? You must withdraw it immediately. And uh, making those kind of efforts uh, means that uh, the judge might look kindly upon you when someone's looking for a gazillion dollars. Um, no, that kind of thing doesn't uh, weigh heavily on you. But, you know, advertising, that's RTE's business. If they can make a book out of what I do, uh, off they go. But I, I didn't feel that I owed anything to the advertisers in that sense. Now, the sponsors were something different. Uh, Renault were sponsoring uh, our show for uh, many of the years, and uh, we got cars from them. And we like to be nice to the Renault people. I used to meet and greet uh, people that Renault brought into the show every uh, Friday night. That was part of the gig, and I felt that was a responsibility. But um, in terms of how RTE sold the show, uh, that was up to the people in sales, and they did it very well. Do you miss it at all? Um, no, I mean, I did 10 years and uh, I have great memories. Uh, you you kind of count your late, late show years in toy shows. You know, and the memories are, well, I did 10 toy shows, therefore I did 10 years of the late, late show. Um, you know, riding in on the back of an elephant, given that my father was the elephant keeper in Dublin Zoo for uh, decades and his father before him. The idea of uh, me riding into the Late Late Show live on the back of an elephant, a real living elephant, uh, is a memory I shall always cherish. <laughs> I don't think health and safety would allow that to happen now. We did so many things that I don't think health and safety would uh, allow to happen. But it was such fun to do. Every program was so different. If you're looking at a program of four parts, you might have a competition to give away a car with great jeopardy. We didn't like just to pick a name out of the hat towards the end of our series. Uh, we like to create jeopardy in giving away prizes. Uh, you might have a big star. Ladies and gentlemen, will you welcome, please, Mr. Elton John? Uh, what a thrill that kind of thing is. And then to get the guy to perform. Um, so, so many memories, so many different aspects to the show. So it's the best fun you can have in broadcasting because it's so varied. Um, but probably more challenging in this era than it was in my time. I, I want to ask you just about that era and about the, where you think the future of it will go. Just before that, was that the first time you had ridden an elephant? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Growing up, uh, we would go to Dublin Zoo. Don't forget, they used to allow children on the back of an elephant in Dublin Zoo. There was a, a saddle that my father used to put on top of the elephant and strap it in place. And then there were seats uh, on each side of the elephant's back and then a, a seat at the front of uh, the saddle and uh, when times were you know not too busy my father would often bring us for a ride on the elephant and we all got to stand on the elephant's knee and things like that growing up so it, it wasn't so much 
uh, that it was novel for me. It was just it brought back so many fantastic memories. You mentioned the the era that we are now in. There's been a, a significant diminution in the viewership over the years to no fault. I mean, no fault of the production or, or uh, presenter. That That is the way that things are going for that style of TV. What do you think, therefore, can or should be done with the show over the next 10 years? Or is it palliative? Um, I, I think the show is too valuable to RT to just decide, oh, we'll scrap that. What do you put in its place? that will get, even if the audience is uh, smaller than it used to be in my time or in Gay's time, um, what kind of show do you put on? What kind of movie, and everyone's streaming movies from different platforms all the time, what kind of show do you put in there that will garner the audience? Whether, you know, for the toy show, well over a million, for a regular show, maybe half a million. What show do you put on that'll do that for you? Uh, what kind of show do you put on that will garner the kind of advertising profit and the sponsorship and all the other income that accrues to the Late Late Show through competitions and all the rest of it? What kind of show will do that business for you? So the answer from a corporate point of view from RTE is no, we got to keep it. Now, what do we do with it? Uh, and that's maybe a bigger question. If you can't get the big stars to walk on, you know, the Elton Johns and all the rest of it, because things are done differently now. I mean, someone said to me the other day, uh, you know, if you want a J-Lo, well, actually, you can look at J-Lo's Instagram and see what she's having for breakfast this morning. You know, there's very little private uh, about the big stars, you know, that they haven't already exposed if they're willing to expose it on their own social media platforms. So the the, the world has changed. Then other people say, no, I can't make it to Dublin. I'll do it by Zoom. Mm-hmm. That's not quite the same thing as saying, ladies and gentlemen, will you welcome the former wife of Donald Trump, Ivana Trump, which I did on one occasion. So it, those are the moments that, that you want to happen. But if you can't have those happen because of a changing world, then you've got to create moments yourself in your own production that are must-see moments, the watercolor, uh, cooler moments. It's not so much, of course, we can see them tomorrow on YouTube, but it's to to be watching it as it happens, as somebody, you know, a Will Smith approaches someone and whacks them live on television. You want to have seen it live, not on YouTube. You've got to create those moments. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on this morning, particularly when I was listening to you during the week, you were saying that you, you mightn't be glued to it all the way, but you would look at, at the significant elements of the coronation. Well, as we speak, the the gilded carriage is departing Buckingham Palace with uh, King Charles in the back. So I had l- better let you go so you can drop in and see how things no, are. Just, I was just wondering, Anton, what do you think of Camilla being crowned as well? I hadn't realised this. I had seen the coverage of her as consort and thought, what a, what a demeaning, although a necessary term. Is, is this a turn up for the books? I think so. The Queen reckoned, the late Queen, that she should be Queen Consort. You know, because Prince Philip wasn't King Philip. He wasn't given the title King because he was married to the Queen. So I'm just wondering about Camilla and whether this is a great historical break with precedent. Well, thankfully, I thought you'd have the answer. Oh Keep God, no, Pat! I'm hanging on by the skin of my teeth all the way through. Uh, thankfully, Henry McKean will be on later, so with luck, he will have the answer. Pat, thanks again. That is the one and only Pat Kenny. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.